Welcome to the Armada Podcast with your hosts, Kalorn. Was I surprised by anything in the top eight? And the, the answer there is just no. It's nothing there surprised me that it made. I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 Fox Omega. A lot of people who assume that the firepower that Martuk makes up drawbacks to the faction or it's enough firepower to overpower other fleets. And Armchair Jedi. I think I think ketchup is a, is a condiment made for children, but it is not the worst of all tomato-based sauces uh, by far. Have you ever tasted tomato paste? That is a terrible sauce. And now, the Armada Podcast. Hello and welcome back, Worlds at Adepticon. What can we say? You guys are just joining us. We are absolutely and utterly overwhelmed by everything that happened last weekend in Chicago. Uh, More than anything else, I am here to tell you that Armada is not dead. And there is nothing more that I can tell you would make that makes me happier because I was not able to make it to to worlds at Adepticon, despite the many rumors that have been flying around on uh, and sightings of me uh, at worlds. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've got graphic proof that you were there. So. <laughs> Dreadlord Loki posting that was so funny, dude. <laughs> uh, I was not at uh, at worlds, but the fact that I will probably get to go next year is one of the greatest aspects of everything that happened this weekend. And not only that, we're hoping to see you there next year and we'll get into exactly what happened and what happened with, uh, with uh, rapid reinforcements two announcements and the kind of what the OP kit's going to look like here near the end of the episode. But before that outbound flight, Colin Looney, welcome back to the Armada podcast and congratulations on absolutely crushing all resistance in the last chance qualifier. Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm excited to be here. Sweet. Well, my my, my drama is like uh, at a maximum. You're at peak drama right now. Yeah. Um, so Colin outbound flight, we've got, um, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to, we're going to do a short little interview, um, not like the the, the standard, typical uh, Armada podcast interview, but just kind of pick your brain about f- philosophically how you're feeling about the game right now. We're going to go through your entire journey because you ended up playing um, 12 games of Armada in three days, which is just absurd. It's a lot. Um, it was a awesome. lot. All of it, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, like, like Keller just said, we're going to go through some rapid reinforcements and OP news. So we got to get moving. Um, so first question I want to ask you, um, what are the things that you are focused on right now in the game? Like what, what are, what, what are the things you're focused on? Yeah. So, um, I, I read this book a couple months ago called the gap in the gain. And what that means is, focusing on the things we've gained versus like the gaps in our goals or dreams or what we want to accomplish. Right. And I started reading it for work, but, um, I decided that I should apply it to other areas of my life. Right. So, um, in this case with Armada, I kind of went in to the LCQ and worlds with an idea of gratitude for all the things that I've gained from Armada. I mean, I have some of my 
absolute best friends in the world because of Armada. And I never would have met him without Armada. And so I thought, I'm going to go into the LCQ. I'm going to focus on having fun because I've gained so much great camaraderie with Armada that even if I don't make it out of the LCQ, I'm going to make sure that I focus on having fun with all of the awesome people coming from across the world into, uh, into worlds. And uh, the other thing that I'm really focused on is just like gratitude for Armada in and of itself. Like even if we got no other releases, even if they didn't announce rapid reinforcements to worlds, which is awesome. I'm super glad they did. Like let's as a community be glad that we got this game to come around, uh, come together around and meet new people and learn new things about, uh, about the world and, you know, just really enjoy that community. And I'm, I'm super stoked that, uh, that AMG is coming out with Raptor Reinforcements 2. Um, and no matter what they produce um, or how long it goes, because at some point the game is going to end, but um, let's be grateful for it. Let's be grateful for the, the, the camaraderie and the friendship that we've gained because of Armada. Well, Fox had to step out for a second, so I will take over reading questions for you, Colin. So what type of mentality helped you get through the last chance qualifier and deep into worlds. Yeah. So the other kind of aspect that uh, I've been focusing is on separating uh, who I am as an individual and my own self-worth from how I perform in different roles in life. Right. So in, in, in the context of Armada, like me as an Armada player, like I know I'm a good player, but that doesn't define who I am personally. And how that helped me is uh, when things weren't looking good throughout the LCQ or day one or day two of worlds, it helped me avoid tilting and getting upset. I mean, I really thought Garrett uh, who was playing a Sloan fleet was going to nine to me or 10, one me at one point. And I managed to squeak out a six, five with three MOV. Um, and if I had, gotten upset going into turn three i think i was kind of thinking oh boy this is not going to go well um you know it really could have spiraled out of control i could have made rash decisions i could have done things that weren't the smartest but separating you know that personal identity from uh how i was performing in a in a game uh, really helped me kind of stay focused and enjoy it because every single game that I had was fun, whether I won or I lost, like every single game I had was fun. And so remembering that, uh, that this is a game, this doesn't define who I am really helped me, uh, perform better. Um, and, and I think it's something that applies to all of life, you know, uh, all the different roles that we have in life uh, with our family members at work and all that kind of stuff. But um, I decided to apply it to Armada and it really helped me shape the tournament. And we, we're really turning into the, the philosophy podcast here, guys. The last couple episodes has been solid life advice from, from uh, us and the, and our, uh, our guests on the podcast. So th- kudos to you for that, that, uh, that column here. So I'm let's buying talk- this book. Right now. <laughs> I'm it. Uh, so we'll have an Amazon link in the description. No, yeah. Uh, Next episode so, will be the book review. 
Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk for a minute about your switch between LCQ and Worlds, Colin. So yeah. you played a variant of the King Cog, which is the Kuat Onager Gladiator list in the last chance qualifier. And you can just absolutely smashed a bunch of people in the face with it. And then you switched to your what I call your patented Mr. Blue Dice fleet. Uh, that I played against you in uh, with uh, in the end. It was Endor that we played. We were in the same pod. I think it was Endor. Yeah, yeah I think it was Endor. Uh, and for Worlds itself. So was this a meta call on your part or kind of walk us through your thinking of was this? Is this something that you intended to do all along? If you did you say I'm going to go into LCQ and use this King Cog flute, And if I make it out, I'm going back to my roots. Um. I didn't know what I was going to do if I won the LCQ. Um, the last kind of philosophical thing that I'm going to talk about is is uh, uh, called A-formation. It's, and it's not affirmations like Stuart Smalley on SNL, right? These are, these are, this is a, a, a way of positive self-talk that, uh, that I've been trying to apply to a lot of aspects of my life. But the, really the key is, um, with the problem with affirmations is like, you know, you're lying to yourself, right? Like um, if you're not Usain Bolt, you're not the fastest person in the world. So you can't tell yourself I'm the fastest person in the world. Cause you know, you're lying to yourself. The key with a formations is asking yourself why questions and letting your brain solve the problem. So before the LCQ and before worlds, I said to myself, why am I going to have fun? Um, why am I going to enjoy every single game that I play? Why am I going to do so well at this tournament? And what it does is it lets your subconscious answer these questions for you. And so um, it's a really long answer to get to why I switched lists. But really the reality is um, I knew that if I played King Cog the way it's designed to be played... I was pretty confident I could get through the LCQ, but I also knew that I was going to have fun no matter what. And then after I won it, I mean, that's the biggest tournament I've ever won in my life. Um, 56 people, I think, signed up. And I had fun in every single game. My opponents at the end, even people I tabled and knocked out of, I mean, really a decent chance at making it into uh, Worlds the next day, they said that they had fun and they enjoyed the game. And um, I think a lot of that had to do with kind of my outlook going into it. And so after that, I thought to myself, how do I maximize the amount of fun I have at Worlds? And um, I just thought Mr. Blue Dice was the way to go. It's it's a super fun list. And uh, so it didn't necessarily have much to do with the meta. Um it was more of like, a, how am I going to have the most fun with whoever I'm playing with? And that's, um, that's kind of why I made the switch. That's, that's really cool. And, and it's great. I mean, at, at the high levels, I'm not a high level player myself. Um, and I always kind of wonder what it's going to take, you know, to elevate my game to that point. Um, and, you know, in the past year, I've, I've kind of discovered a, a list or two that I've really just enjoyed playing and, and, and hearing about someone that, you know, you make that choice based on, just what's going to bring you joy during the game come what may that's awesome so um let's take a look at your journey through the lcq so you, you started off with a bang round one against aaron ray aaron ray was flying an agate pickle in your virus list and you won that 10 to 1 
Round two, you drew Justin Curtis uh, with an agate potato and Yavaris list. Sounds familiar. Another 10-1. Round three, Donald Blashaw slowed you down a little bit with his um, SS Doniger list, which you won uh, 9-2. And then your last round, round four against Damon Jordan Zantos, uh, Zduku for activation list, which was your first loss of the tournament at a 4-7. So walk us through, you know, what, what were some of your favorite interactions, your top moments from uh, from the LCQ? Sure. Uh, so I felt kind of bad for Justin. Justin thought that my Ozzel officer was my uh, admiral. Um, and so he deployed completely like, hiding behind rocks, and, oh, no. uh, which is exactly what Remote wants. Um, and then I made his Yavaris my most wanted ship. And I literally rolled, before even X-Rax came in, I rolled... Um, I think I rolled three accuracies and seven damage into the side of his Yavaris. I mean, it was, it was pretty savage. Um, and then I was able to move my Kuat in front of his potato that had clipped a rock just barely with its shield. And so it couldn't nav away because it had squad commands because he had 10 squads. Um, and so his potato got stuck ramming my kuat and then landing on the rock. And so he, he literally, oh, I mean, no. it just, oh, it just, no. just rammed his, well, really he rammed his, his potato to death. Um, and then his Yavaris activation, uh, I think on, uh, he activated three double dice bombers, uh, which went to three dice bombers. And they, I think he hit three hits on his Yavar's activation. So he couldn't kill oh. the Kuat. Oh, um, the, the game against the, uh, the Don, the SSD onager combo was super fun. And I don't know if you've watched the stream, but I mean, the, it was super funny watching the, uh, the ion radio team freak out over every single dice roll. And I mean, I knew, I knew I had to table him. Um, and so I just went in hard and, and I mean, King Cog is designed to smash things, right? King Cog smash. That's what I was saying, the whole LCQ. And, um, and so I was fortunate in my matchups in that with those first three, I, I met tank lists, you know, Augate, Augate, and then SSD and an Onager. So I got lucky there, uh, matchup wise. And then against Damon, um, I thought he was deploying really conservatively and so i deployed conservatively because i kind of knew that if i got a six i was going to win and then he cut in hard and i so he kind of caught me off guard there um and then dooku just makes it really hard to get king cog on target so dooku is good despite what the haters will say it messes with that list a lot because i only have one token gen source so um i mean damon damon called my uh my bluff, I guess I thought, uh, I didn't think he would come at me, but he did. And you don't know, paid off for him cause he made it through the LCQ. So you, you could have done me a solid outbound and destroyed Damon and at least had one person that had 36 points in, in the LCQ. Yeah. You <sighs> sorry. Done me a solid. I'm you sorry. Are our only hope. If I, uh, I, I, I thought he was going to bet on a five, making him through. Cause he picked my, uh, rift ambush and he, he went for the throat. And like I said, I, you know, it's that prisoner's dilemma where you don't know if they're going to go after you or not. Right. Um, and I knew that I deployed in a way that I, I was pretty confident I couldn't get tabled and give up. 
more than uh, more than a four and stay stay up. But uh, that's how that's how uh, that game ended up. It was I should have probably just gone gone after him, but I didn't. But that's all right. It was it was the most intense game of whack a mole I think I've ever seen. It was like it was like a it was like a scene from Predator where like they're walking through the 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 uh, jungle and like one person gets taken away like into the darkness and like you turn like oh my god what was that and it's it's calling over on table one like absolutely destroying people's chances of advancing <laughs> like it was it was pretty wild to experience it as uh somebody trying to make it into so really awesome work it was it was cool to watch um hey uh, you didn't mention what turn did you bordering troopers uh that ssd which turn uh, that you? was turn i believe that was turn two yeah yeah, it was I pretty, just uh, yoloed in there and went for the kill. It's you know? pretty wild. I mean, it's kind of what you got to do. I was surprised that the Kuat lived as long as it did. Um, <laughs> it's PDICs help uh, quite a bit with that, but uh, um, yeah, boarding troopers is is awesome. So, so good. I, so bring good. it. Don't leave it, it at home. Yeah. Well, let's talk about day one. So you ended first place in the LCQ. Um, and you got on to day one. So day one, round one, you're up against Jason Diedrich, another friend of the the Armada podcast with his Akbar 7 activation fleet. You won 9-2. Round two, you went up against Garrett, uh, who was flying German Sloan. Uh, Garrett, also uh, name on the discords, Garrett. Uh, you won that game 6-5. Uh, round three, you went up against Trenton. Uh, who was flying a Mahdi ISD-2 testbed, and you won 7-4. And then round four, uh, you went up against Jason Hewley uh, with his Doniger fleet, and you lost 6-5. You ended up in 15th place, uh, well enough to advance into day two of Worlds. Uh, walk us through some of your top moments here, some of your favorite interactions, uh, each of those games, some highlights. Yeah, uh, so... <laughs> When I saw that I was uh, matched with Jason round one, I just, I was not thrilled because Jason's a great player. And uh, I put my list on the table and he looked at it and I just see him go, oh, this is going to be brutal, you know? And I thought, what do you mean? And he goes, my list hates Kraken rogues. And sure enough, you know, I uh, I managed to put my my uh, Dodonna's pride in front of his Akbar, And then I kind of just stacked up my MC 30 just outside a close range of the front of his Akbar, And then I also had Jaina's light in there. Um, and then I kind of just put all the rogues in front of his MC 30. So there was no escape for his, uh, for his Akbar, And then Dodonna's pride I rammed him on purpose and then he ended up ramming me. And then I got the, uh, Dodonna's pride crit off on him and it wasn't a structural, which would have been sweet, but, uh, <laughs> it was good enough that, uh, I was able to plink away at his, at his flagship. And, and, uh, I think, I think my, I think my flag finished him off, but I was, I was eating his shields with, uh, squadrons and, and after his Akbar flag went down, he was kind of hard pressed to get damaged through, um, with all the Kraken obstructions. So 
you know, he, he told me at the beginning of the game that it was a really bad match for him. And that's kind of what it turned out to be. I, I didn't believe him when he told me I was pretty terrified just because of who I was playing. Cause he's such a great player. And he managed to make his, he clawed his way back and made it into uh day two, which is awesome. Um, Garrett, like I was saying earlier, uh, just absolutely crushed my ships, my, my CR nineties. And I thought for sure he was going to, either table me or clean up all my squads, but I managed to kind of put my MC 30 where he couldn't escape the double arc without going to speed three. But if he went to speed three, he would have flown off the table. So he settled for praying that the dice were, you know, in his favor and my MC 30 just smoked his quasar. And when that happened, all my rogues pounced in on his squads and I kind of clawed my way back in that game. And I, I really thought he had it. And it was fun. I mean, it was smiles all around the whole game. And, but like I said, you know, I, I was able to stay calm and it really, really helped me. I mean, I know it's easy. I mean, I, I have tilted in many a game and it just doesn't help you, you know, it doesn't help you solve whatever problem you're in. And so I was really glad that I was able to remember some of the, uh, that like positive self-talk and that it actually worked. And, um, and so that kind of pulled me out of that game. I won by three MOV. I couldn't believe it. Um, and then with Trenton's list, he had that onager. I picked his most wanted or sorry, his advanced gunnery. And I knew I couldn't go after that. ISD two is too big. And, you know, King cog is a list that's designed to just go in and smash things and maybe trade the Kuat for a table. Like Mr. Blue Dice is not, it's not a tabling list. Mr. Blue Dice is like a, hey, if I get an eight, I'm going to be stoked kind of list. And if I get the really perfect matchup, I could table or maybe farm um, superior position tokens. But like with Mr. Blue Dice, it's so different than King Cog. You really got to, you got to figure out where you can get your win from. And so going after a target like the ISD2 in that game, was just not viable for me. So what I my plan was tie up his uh, tie fighters with Shara, kill his flotillas, and kill the Onager with squads. And uh, because I picked advanced gunnery, I managed to actually get my MC thirty to shoot the side arc in the front of his Onager and like really cripple it. And then I was able to finish it with um, with my CR nineties and some rogues, but. Um, his a his tie fighters were heroes in that game. I put Shara in the middle of them, and he attacked them in the squad phase because I used Adar to get her all the way over there. And I rolled one or two damage against each a, a tie fighter that attacked Shara, and he ended up killing Shara and my A wing. I had to send another squad to go finish off his dang what? tie fighters. They just would not die. It was like one of the most frustrating things. So like he got he got points from the a-wings and uh i think he took out a flotilla but um i was like i could not believe he his luck against he couldn't either he was like i can't believe this is happening this is ridiculous you know um by the time i played jason who you know great player i just my brain power was just gone and so i decided to be as cagey as possible and not give up a big loss and he hunted me down ruthlessly uh we kind of had he's this, ruthless like, 
like the, the, those those onagers with with the the engine text man they are oh, ridiculous yeah. so he was chasing cr90s all over the table and we had this like mini squad battle with a flotilla mixed in and i i knew kind of where i was points wise that you know a 65 either way was probably going to be fine so um you know and and that's what how i ended up in fifth 15th place um you know jason played an awesome game and um you know i was super glad that we both got to advance but it was cagey it was a super cagey match it's not really how i prefer to play but i couldn't figure out like my brain at that point in the day just didn't have the brain cells left to find a way to fork his his donager Cause I was second player. I just, I, it wasn't in the cards. So, you know, I, I was hoping I would win six, five, maybe seven, four. If I got really lucky on some squad rolls and like took out a, took out a, um, his squads in a flotilla with no losses. But I mean, I, you know, you're playing a great player round four and you're just trying to keep your stuff alive. He ended up hunting down Captain Rex turn six and just blowing him out of the sky. So that kind of sucked, but you know, it was all right. I, I, we moved on today too. So, so, I mean, what, one of the big things there is that, you know, he's Jason and his Donager list. He has sensor teams and veteran gunners on one and he's got, uh, uh, Vernillion and veteran gunners on the other. And both of them have Intel officer. So, you know, he is banking on those early game shots, make, forcing you into burning a token because you, you know, because you don't want to take damage on turn one or turn two or whatever it is. And so he's really good at like setting up the early game to punish you in the late game. And you say you were talking about you couldn't mentally couldn't find the fork against him. I don't know that there is one for your fleet. There is. Well, I've, I've I've played against his list before uh, pre worlds, and uh, he and I both agreed in that game that we played. Uh, my dice kind of gave up on me towards the end. I mean, I was like two hole away from killing an onager and getting a seven four. I think in that game, like it's possible, it's doable, and we talked about it quite a bit after our game. Um, it's just I didn't I didn't have it mentally to go hard after it and then i also knew i really just needed a six five in either direction just based on points like i i was pretty high up and that's kind of the importance of getting a big win right um early on is it kind of gives you that buffer to take a six five or to take a loss um you know in round four you just can't lose big and so that's how i deployed i i deployed to you know you always want to deploy to win but I was also being very cautious with how I played that game to advance to day two. So you've, at this point, you've won the LCQ. You're, you're going through what we talked about the, and the podcast uh, uh, before to preview for worlds that, you know, you're going to try and uh, play in the LCQ, get into worlds, make it through day one, make it through day two and get to day three and play in the top eight. You've made it through the LCQ. You actually won it. You you made it through day one and got in kind of middle of the pack into day two, which is the ended up being the top twenty six instead of the top twenty uh, that we thought it was going to be. That kind of messed with our math, and we'll talk about that a little later. Day two rolls around. 
you roll up against uh, a Kraken MSU fleet uh, with Justin Rasmussen, which you won six, five. I'm assuming that was kind of just a KG. You guys are, uh, have a hard time against each other. Then round two, you've got Nick Latrenta, uh, Latrenta uh, with his Ozil test bed and rogues fleet and which you won fairly handily seven, four round three, you come up against Mirko Lang with his TF Providence double muni list and one eight three. And then we get to round four and you come up against uh, somebody that I got to know when I went out to, uh, to California golds and did golden state games, Patrick dupe with his patented Radis Liberty list with his crazy flagship. That is just a CR 90 with, with Radis rolling around and he somehow keeps it alive and drops a Liberty exactly where you don't want it to be. And you end up losing three, eight, which is exactly if you, uh, the, the points that drop you into ninth place and you don't make it to day three of worlds by one tournament point. Are you relieved that it's over at this point? Are you disappointed (laughs) in yourself? No. Where are you at mentally? Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to answer your question, but I, I'll talk about getting matched against uh, Justin or, you know, Rasperodius as everybody knows him. When you're flying MSU is brutal because if you want to talk about somebody who flies MSU and knows it inside out, I mean that, especially rebels, you know, that is Justin. So like in his game, (laughs) we were talking about funny things that could happen and, and, uh, I, cause I'd picked his, uh, his infested fields. And I was like, I hope you do Ezra, your, your Exegorth right in the middle of all my rogues. And, uh, and then I thought it was be funny if I snaked all five objective tokens from him. And so we deploy and I realized that all of his obstacles are close enough for me to aid our Shara into. <laughs> and so I got all five objective tokens from him at the round one. I mean, I took them all because uh he tried to tie up my shara i got lucky nuked his shara got over and got got the uh, fifth token which is hilarious but then i totally forgot about ezra and in this round he he's like he smiles at me he's like i'm gonna do it and he launches that exegorth into the middle of like my five last squads that are still alive and i really needed to kill his squads and uh he rolled one damage on 15 dice so i uh proceeded to murder the rest of his rogues which really messed with his plan i managed to nuke uh his icb uh or his hie uh cr90b and kind of run away uh and uh he ended up getting i think he got captain rex i think he took captain rex down i should have turned it a different direction but anyway that was a really fun game my game against Nick was super cagey at first, but I was able to uh, I was able to get his flagship and then uh, catch him with uh, with Shara. I was able to tie up some of his stuff so he can farm superior positions off of me. Uh, my game against Mirko was super fun. It was on stream, and I 
I picked volatile deposits because I'm a firm believer that it's the easiest objective to flip in the game on somebody. Um, and w- that's kind of what I went for. Unfortunately, I went for a, a nine or a 10 in that game. And, and I just, my rogues just stopped rolling damage on his second muni. And, uh, cause I killed his, his flag pretty early and I had, I had raided his Providence nav to keep it from going back into the fight. But the nice thing about volatile deposits is it's got the two dust fields. And so traditionally people put the dust fields in front of their, their rocks to keep people from attacking their ship. That's harvesting. But I wanted them there cause I wanted to keep my rogues safe from LTTs. And so that's what I did as I just kind of kept my rogues in this bunker where he couldn't shoot. And then I just danced them in and out with my squad commands and then my my MC30 nuked his his flagship, and then I was able to farm the the rocks from him while the 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 Providence couldn't get back into the fight. And I I actually got the MC30 around on a second attack run on his second Muni because he didn't have thermals, but they did have PDICs and. Um, my attack run wasn't terrible, you know, it was like five damage. And then I think it was like, uh, it was like three damage, something like that. So not bad, but it's just like my rogues couldn't finish the job. And so I didn't quite get the score I was looking for in that big win, but I mean, it was a super fun game. And by the way, every single person I played, every single person was fun. There was no gotcha moments. There was no gotcha armada. It was like, it was really, you know, who outflew who and the sportsmanship was incredible. And I think most people at worlds had kind of a similar experience. And I want to talk a little bit about Patrick's sportsmanship because Patrick absolutely smoked me. Right. Uh, He, I made a mistake and I ended up ramming my flotillas together, which meant that he could drop the Liberty where it could get him a lot of points. But before that happened, I forgot to use ADAR. And he told me, he said, did you want to ADAR? I mean, I've moved my flotilla. He's, did you mean to ADAR that squad? And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. He's like, no problem. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, win that way, you know. And then the other thing that he did is, I didn't know this, but you cannot spend lando's accuracy if you discard the brace and set a dice to an accuracy it can't be modified absolutely right i did not know that yeah that's so his his shara i think had two whole points left it may may have been a different squad anyway it had two whole points left and i needed to kill it and so i rolled two damage with lando and and I was like, all right, well, uh, I guess it doesn't matter either way. So I'll just set it to an accuracy and he's dead. He goes, stop. You can't spend it. He said, set it back to a hit because that's your intention to kill the squad. But he's like, just understand that, you know, you can't spend those accuracies. And he could have very easily said, nope, you set it to an accuracy. I actually have a Patrick story too, because when he and I played at GSG, um, he, he set up across from me and he said, do you want to be first or second? Um, because I, I had the bid on him and I said, well, I think I'm going to be, uh, I want to be first. And he said, 
well, think about this because, uh, and because he had, we had the same number of activations when his Radis wasn't on the board. And he's like, remember, you can't spend pass tokens if I still have the same number of ships remaining that you do. And that was something that had never come up in a game for me before. And he was kind enough to tell me that ahead of time to know that I, to, so that I wouldn't screw myself over. And he's like, I don't want to win that way. And I was like, that that's exactly what you're talking about. Just amazing sportsmanship. Right. And so, you know, in our game, I mean, he absolutely won it and he like ruthlessly hunted down my flotillas and my CR 90 and like, totally won it without the gotcha stuff. And the kind of interesting thing is when you talk to people that had somebody do the, like, Oh, the gotcha thing, like, Oh, you can't use your decaps because you already revealed your command, which is a dumb timing thing. Like most of the time those people lose anyway, you know what I mean? And so when you, when you got, when you get to the, these people who can perform at a level that Patrick did or, or, or James or, or, you know, Resperdius, like they don't need the gotcha stuff to win like they've already calculated what's going on right and so it i just think it's super cool that he won that way i also want to mention that he helped me practice king cog and he tabled it twice with his radis list so um he is a phenomenal player and a phenomenal person and i just think it's so awesome that like in our game he really gave me every chance to win and he still throttled me, which is hilarious. And so you had asked me how I felt at that point, you know, what was going through my mind was I bummed that I lost. And the reality is that of course I would have loved to play day three. I would have loved to play for, you know, number one, because that's the goal, right? We all go there to win. Um, but I had so much fun in every single game, every single opponent was a good sport. They were friendly. They uh, even even the folks that I like knocked out of the tournament was friendly. Nobody did a gotcha thing. Um, it, it was just it was awesome. And like I showed up to Worlds without an invite, and I made it to ninth. I got top ten in the world. There's nothing to be sad about. The why would I let what I never had anyway? ruin I, that was why everything I said, ev- everything that i, said, that I like, accomplished were you relieved because i would have been kind no. of relieved no like, i mean like look i'm I, finally there you know i've made it i did exactly what i wanted to do now i get to have fun on the last day like that you know but i had fun in every game that's what i'm getting at i had fun every and i did have a ton of fun in the 800 point sector fleet game because i won that ssd so i just whipped it out and i just started just crushing ships with the executor. Which is Isn't it on fun. your wall now? Uh, it is on my wall now. Yeah, I turned it into a, a wall decoration. Uh, looks, nobody really needs two really SSDs, cool. but I thought it was silly that it was a prize, so I grabbed it. But, but my point is, like, you cannot lose what you do not have. It is impossible. And I got so far into worlds and had such an amazing experience with every single person that I played there's just nothing to be sad about Would I have enjoyed playing day three. Absolutely. And I would have tried my absolute best, but like the reality is let's think about the things that I've gained. I got to meet tons of people from all over the world who 
previous to now have just been little text bubbles, you know, um, I got to be, I can say I'm a top 10 in the world Armada player. At least I was, you know, on that day. And I mean, really what more can you ask for? Cause I never had, I never had the, the winner's trophy. I never had the top rebel list. I didn't have anything to lose. I was just playing fun Armada with amazing people. And so, you know, I, I had people come up and they said, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't make it. And I was like, it's really okay. It really is because I didn't lose anything. All I did at Worlds was gain. That's it. So it was awesome. I, I loved it. I loved every single game. I had fun in every single game. Um, and I wish I could play more of the people that were there. So all of that said, you know, you would have knocked out Raz Proteus if you'd made it, right? <laughs> I mean, but you know what? You know what the other thing is, is, is afterwards I was talking to people and they're like, oh man, I was so close to a, a nine. I was two hole from a table and it would have put me up. So like, it's, you know, it, it's fog of war. Well, you, you, never you, know. you, do, you don't, there's so many random things that can happen. I mean, and so honestly, like before LCQ, uh, before day one, before day two, and then after day two, I slept like a baby every single night. I didn't lose an ounce of sleep over it. And like, there was times, I mean, look, you're always going to fall into the gap, right? You always are. You just got to pull yourself out of it and think about the gain. But I, there were times in day, especially in day two, where I started getting like that anxiety feeling creeping up. And so I would stop myself and I would just think like, why am I here? Why am I going to have fun in the next game? Why am I going to do so well? And, and it's not like I wasn't excited to play the games, but before this tournament, before I learned what I know about the gap of the gain and a formations and, and just better thinking in general, like I would have for sure lost sleep before this tournament at LVO. I didn't, I hardly slept and I was exhausted because I had driven like six hours to get there. I didn't go to sleep until one. And it took me probably an hour and a half to go to sleep because I was so nervous about the next day. And guess what? Like I didn't perform well the next day and I didn't really have fun in those games because I had the wrong, I was in the wrong mind space going into those games at LVO and Mr. Blue Dice got absolutely obliterated. So, so changing my mindset going into all of these games was, I, I think what did it, you know, and I, I, I would, I can confidently say I would have had fun if I, if I didn't do so well, um, because that's what I was focused on doing. And it, it just, once you, once you can truly like get over the need to win outright, it's kind of funny because then you start doing well and it applies in life too. Right. Um, it's kind of like if you know, somebody who really wants people to like them, like nobody likes them. And then the person who doesn't care about people liking them, everybody likes them and wants to be friends with them. It's kind of like that same thing. It's just, you have to genuinely get over that hump of like, win at all costs and focus on having fun and enjoying yourself and learning the game and learning from your mistakes. And then you will finally break through and have success. And, you know, I left it on the table. I mean, there's nothing 
I left every single game on the table. I did my best. There's nothing to regret. It was awesome. The whole thing was awesome. Man, I was about to ask you about final thoughts on Worlds, but you summed it up really well there. I mean, I have to agree. Like, as someone who didn't make it out of LCQ and then had the opportunity to just walk around and, like, talk with everybody, and I got to watch some of your games and and talk to you about them, like, that that experience, I think, superseded um, any of my competitive expectations. Like, it, it really gave me perspective on who we are as a community and what the things to truly value uh, as far as, uh, you know, this special interest group that we're all a part of, like, um, I mean, these are all awesome points outbound. Like, uh, thank you for, for bringing all this up. Like this, uh, this was really awesome to hear and listen to. Um, no, it's my pleasure. And I loved looking up from my table and seeing you like smiling, you know, <laughs> like at every game and, seeing how excited you were and then you know like even little things like when you went and got me that red bull i mean it all helped i mean it was it was so cool the the it was so cool seeing the community thrive at like a you know a high level event and we we thrived because people were being good to each other and yeah. they were playing fair and you know at the end of the day like you know somebody's going to somebody's going to be last and somebody's going to be first. Right. And so, and it, at the end of the day, it is a game, but you know, the community aspect of it was unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And, yeah, and that I, came through like through discord too. Like, I mean, I, and, and the rest of the Armada online community, I think was paying rapt attention and just the, like the feeling that I was getting the, the warm feels coming through watching Ion radio and, and getting people's impressions and, and, and Fox and Clorin's take from the floor uh, at Adepticon and just getting those good vibes. Really I think it, stop it. But no, like uh, seriously, come on, man. Like I really being, wasn't there. I'm, I'm being honest here. Like, like I feel like it, it was like, like, you know, like a rising tide floats all boats. It's just, there, there was so much good energy coming out of that from, from, from all angles really that I think it really just gave a real shot in the arm and a lot of energy, positive energy back into the community, which is so fantastic. I, I do have to mention one thing in regards to that arm share, like the, we have the, the, the tournament channels on discord and I want to take a minute here and, and just give a shout out to all the people that posted on discord, whether you were at worlds or not at worlds, that thread has over 10,000 messages on it. 10,000 messages of people talking about worlds at Adepticon. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and tell you that 1500 of those messages were sent after James was crowned the world champion. Like even after worlds was done, like people still talk about or talking about it. Like to this day, like people are still posting in that channel and that that's, that means a lot which leads us straight into the fact that this isn't the last worlds. And that honestly, I'm going to sit here and tell you like my expectation of what AMG and Asmodee were going to do for us for as a community was, ha, has been low and they absolutely knocked it out of the park with what went on worlds. First off the, 
way that Worlds was as executed and the, the the hard work that Karnak and Card Problems and Stu Bucket and Captain Awesomer did uh, as organizers uh, through all four or, uh, all four days of Worlds, the 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 streaming that Ion Radio did uh, with all of their their hosts and all of their coverage and all of those games that we got to watch on stream, and then Will shit coming on after having giving his interview with Krabak kind of teasing uh, rapid reinforcements to earlier coming on and absolutely confirming that we're going to get rapid reinforcements to the early or uh, late spring or early summer. And then turning around and in the middle of where we're watching the, the final matches of worlds to have the panel to really, to, to tease not only the the some of the rapid reinforcements two cards, which uh, the things that we know there are that we, there's going to be some kind of rebel Mandalorian gauntlet fighter. So you could do what I did today and go try and dig out where your damn gauntlet fighters are out of a box in the back of your uh, your closet or whatnot. Uh, and I did find mine. I posted a picture. Um, Governor Price and her ability, uh, her revised officer card for seven points that allows you to set a dice to spend a shield from the attacking hull zone to set a dice to any face during an attack. And it can be done once per activation. And then we have some kind of commander for the GAR. Um, Most people are assuming that it's Anakin because captain Rex was in the background of the card, but we have literally no idea. And then the teasing artwork for a potential Watt Tambor in a Belbelub starfighter uh, that was in the background of the image. And then on top of that, not content to give us what we thought was going to be just kind of more, a little bit more content to, to, uh, to let the game limp along. They decided AMG said that, okay, we're going to announce that we are going to have OP organized play kits for both stores and regional tournaments for the upcoming years that we are going to absolutely confirm that worlds is going to take place at Adepticon in 2024, that all the people that they were there, were going to, you know, you know, we're going to try and make that happen again. And that the store kits are going to have a world's invite in them for a world championship or for, for a store championship to hand out a world's ticket that the regionals kits are going to have four world's tickets, one of which is a premium invite, which we found out later on Facebook, uh, an AMG Facebook post means that you get some kind of buy and that they, they will provide travel and accommodations for the per, the holder of the premium world's ticket. Not to mention that they have a whole host of OP kit cards, alt arts and other things that we just haven't gotten since pre pandemic that we've been kind of subsisting on whatever we had laying around from before that. So to breathe life back into the, the organized play of the game, especially to breathe, breathe life back into it at the store level, which is the fundamental level of playing Armada is you go down to the store and you play with your buddies. I honestly cannot think of how AMG could have done any better without announcing some kind of new plastic that was in the works. So from that perspective, Fox armchair outbound, where are you at compared to a week ago in your armada 
headspace. <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell you that within like a day of worlds ending, um, a bunch of um, Canadian event organizers from across the AMG games. So we got Legion, we got X-Wing, we got Armada organizers. They, they, they popped up a new Discord to start getting organized and advertising events for across Canada and, and trying to figure out, okay, what's our, what's our next year's, you know, national regional picture look like. So, I mean, right there, that's like an immediate, uh, you know, you you just tell like that just shot so much energy into, into that group. I mean, I was, I was one of the people that was, you when when there was a bit of a, a tease uh, from Krabbix interview uh, a few weeks before, worlds when will mentioned that you know we, we would have called it reinforcements one if there wasn't going to be at least a reinforcements two i got pretty excited about that i know a lot of people kind of ho-hummed and poo-pooed that um i got kind of excited about that and so seeing the stuff that came out uh definitely got me uh got me excited but i, I think i mean honestly the thing that got me the most excited was was watching the experiences through ion radio especially of people like colin and james and everybody just having these games telling the stories seeing the pictures you know wishing i was there getting the fomo um yeah I, i'm i'm super excited I, I i got so excited that last night for my uh my online game against my my buddy summer i, I pulled out a constantine fleet just for for lols and yeah it still sucks but you know it was just it was just something fun to do and <laughs> i felt excited to try it so yeah still I'm, sucks I'm, I'm i'm unicorns and rainbows yeah i i I think um, I was already ready and willing to continue creating our own OP, at least in Texas. Like Keller and I think you and I have had conversations about this. Like we've got a pretty well organized like Yeah, we system. still have to organize the Texas finals for this coming December, by the way. We're, we're still not done with that. Oh, you and yeah. I we're, have dr- to we're dragging our out. feet on that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, I was already ready to ex- like continue the experience Armada of Armada, like not on an officially uh, like supported platform, but like for the sake of continuing these friendships and connections that we've built. Uh, and I felt even more that way after experiencing Worlds um, and getting to meet all these awesome people and uh, make those those deeper connections and all that jazz. Uh, but now with this, like, I mean, it, I don't know. Like, I'm. How many times have I called you in the last few days to talk about Armada, Fox? I mean, like. I a lot. Not including the podcast. <laughs> Not including the podcast. Like, you and I have, like, so excited. We're, like, chatting about it. So. Any chance we get. Yeah. So, nobody, uh, I mean. Nobody called me. What's it? Well, give me your phone it number. It costs us a lot more to call you. Does it? Than it does for me to call Fox across town. He's in Canada, man. You get a long, like international fees. For There's that. this thing called the internet and it's glorious, but you can talk to people across the world for free. What? Tell me more about this. Tell, tell me yeah. more about this. It's Colin. very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, I'll plug you feel into about it. the announcement, man. I am stoked. First of all, Mr. Blue Dice loves the idea of a gauntlet fighter. And I saw the little assault cue, like, symbol so uh uh yeah mr blue dice is is loving the idea of a little buddy to go along with rex and apply more raid because sometimes sometimes i want to raid your nav and your confire or your squad and your nav and now i can so that's that's thrilling to me um you know 
like I was kind of saying earlier, you know, eventually at some point, Armada will, of course, end. It'll stop being supported. Uh, that's just kind of how things go. Let's be excited for everything we get, right? Let's celebrate it. Let's enjoy it. Let's uh, let's uh, incorporate it into the game, and let's have fun with it, and and keep building the community around it. You know, like there's been people since I don't know the dawn of Armada that have been saying Armada is dead. Right. And they've been wrong every single time. So I think it's kind of just time to stop listening to them. Okay. Armada will be dead when AMG comes out and says, we're not going to support it anymore. And that's, that's when you'll know. And then we can all have a funeral. But the reality is like, let's enjoy what we got. You know, let's have a good time with it because at the end of the day, it is a game. It doesn't change the fact that we've all met each other and we've become friends. Right. Like, that at the end of the day is really more important than whatever plastic we do or do not get. So I'm stoked for our two um, price looks wicked. Um, I hope that I hope what is in a Belby lab. I think actually it's kind of a cool way to uh, nerf things without nerfing them is like you get multiple good instances of somebody like, like choke Vader or do I take, do I take choke Vader or do I take the, the defender? Right. Like they're both really good. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of a cool way to like. Don't forget Officer Vader. And off uh, and or no, no, it's Admiral Officer Vader, Vader, which Admiral Vader, yeah, yeah. I'm not. My stock in uh, Admiral Vader is not high, but um, mostly because of Salvo. But um, I'm stoked. Like, I couldn't be happier. They're putting out something. I was surprised. I think pretty much everybody was surprised by it. Like, I will take it and I'll have fun with it. I, like I said, I just. I, I am so grateful for the fact that there's going to be a world's next year that I get to, to go and experience all the cool things. I was so jealous. I was so jealous watching all of the stuff that you guys got to do. And that I was just like, I mean, I, I really wish I was there. And despite certain pictures of garbage cans being posted on discord, I was not (laughs) at worlds this year. So I thought I saw somebody that looked familiar, but I just wasn't (laughs) sure. I, I I will say I am way bigger than that garbage can. Just oh, but- <laughs> there was a, a dumpster out back. So okay, there we go. No, no worries. Was was there a fire in it? <laughs> Depends if you have one of Fox's tacos or not. Oh, oh yep, exactly. Oh god. Okay, so Fox, we have taken us to the point mm-hmm. where we have gotten back to hot take thirty. Uh, first hot take thirty post worlds. Wow. What do you Ooh. got for us? Wait, it's my own hot take though, right? Oh, well, f- fine. All right. Well, Fox, <laughs> the only legitimately competitive way to play CIS is netlisting Martuk lists, which makes the faction boring and repetitive. This is so hot. Just because of what just occurred at Worlds, like there were there were two TF fleets, a Dooku fleet, a um and a Grievous fleet. I have so many things to say right now. And like one Martuk. Like it's just not, this is not the case. And it's, uh, this was a brutal take. Like Dooku, Dooku's making a comeback and making a statement, not not even a comeback. Like he's just been awesome the entire time. And uh, people are going to start net listing Dooku and finding out that he's better than Martuk. Honestly, what I saw at Worlds was a lot of people who assumed that the firepower that Martuk gives you 
uh, makes up for like any drawbacks of the faction or it's enough firepower to overpower other fleets. There is just, there are too many fleets out there that uh, say, absolutely not. Doniger is just going to shoot you twice and blow up that ship or King Cog is just going to come in and absolutely delete something. Like it's just not the case. The faction's strength is not in adding singular red dice. So that's where I'm at. That's what I saw. I witnessed it. So uh, there you go. It's a bad take. Net listing is not a good idea. There were, uh, I think there was a few people that net listed King Cog and didn't have the results. Like you have to know, what each ship is designed to do and how it's supposed to be flown. Right. So like, I don't like net listing because I feel like you always end up disappointed. Uh, I mean, Martuk is a good commander, but like at some point people figure him out, right. They figure out how to shuffle shields to get to his downside. And so, yeah, I, I would disagree with that hot take as well. I guess the one thing is, you know, we had talked to Fox quite a long time ago about just, you know, kind of the order of commanders uh, for CIS. And, you know, you you and I were pretty rough on Martuk, and I I went so far as to put TF above Martuk. And it kind of did my, the, the warmed the cockles of my heart to see that TF made it to day two of Worlds and Martuk didn't. Two TF fleets. And one of those TF fleets made it to top table round three and played our friend Outbound right here. So... I mean, he crushed um, his hopes and dreams. So, I mean, what? what oh, can yeah, we do? no, we're not going to talk about that part. But the <laughs> like, there's a. I mean, I had it was a game, and Mirko played a good game. It was. It was, just, no, it was that objective was just I, 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 I could exploit the objective. That's what happened in that game. He he played a good game. If if anyone wants a clinic on how to flip volatile deposits, watch that game. Honestly, it was uh, it was pretty hard to watch. Well, was, was that mechanic? Outbound? No, it was Mirko. No, Mirko. Mirko. Uh, okay, sorry. The one of the one of the Germans that Got came it. down. I, I yeah. just I I misheard what you said, so I apologize. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm I'm going to quote the the granddaddy of um, Imperial admirals and say if if only saying it would make it so, because the and we're not going to get into a whole lot of data this week, but Martuk was the most popular admiral. Uh, tied with Agate in the um, in the worlds, it was the most popular admiral by percentage in the faction at the LCQ. Most of the munificence that were taken in the whole tournament were of a same pattern. It's it's a very very similar and I, I might argue stagnant archetype that the the faction is in right now. And I agree that the there are developments and people are, are pushing the boundaries and trying new things. And we're starting to see some of these other commanders start to rise. Um, but I think the, the data speaks for itself and, and that, you know, the, the competitive fleets at this world's were these typical Martuk CIS fleets. TF is easily my favorite uh, CIS commander. And uh, I actually almost brought a TF list to day two, but uh um yeah, I don't think I don't think net listing is a way to get ahead competitively myself. I think you gotta build it yourself. I think you can be inspired by things, but I think you gotta build it yourself and you know, have a role for each ship and then make sure you stick to that kind of plan going forward. So net listing uh 
that's just not it. I don't think. All right, Fox. Let's what's up next. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Kellorn. Speaking of net listing, nothing in the top eight was unique. This is a blazing hot take that's actually kind of true. <laughs> uh, is it hot then? What? <laughs> I, I, <don't, laughs> I, I guess it depends on how do you define unique, right? Like, I look at the fleets that are were in the top eight, and maybe the most unique, if you want to call that, is maybe James's fleet. Uh, but I mean, we've, you know, we've seen interdictor honorator fleets before. Um, they, they, they sometimes can struggle because they, they are, they can die relative, uh, they can get tabled, which actually happened in the last, last round of, um, of the finals, which is spoiler alert for next episode. Uh, but when you look through the rest of the fleet, I mean, uh, Nick, Nick Larson, USFO has been is playing the same fleet that he played in video this season and very similar to a fleet that he played last year. I mean, he's been playing that fleet for a long time. Jason Healy is playing the same Donager fleet that he's been playing forever. Adam Newton, angry Ewok is playing an Akbar fleet, which I'm sure will shock anybody that knows angry Ewok. Uh, just, uh, Justin Rosers and Ras Proteus is playing rebel Kraken MSU again, shocking. Um, Daniel, uh, black Admiral, uh, kind of went back to his roots and played, um, Riken MSU again, this is something he's, he, he won a whole bunch of tournaments last year all over Europe with that list. Uh, Sebastian, you know, he, he, ended, he was playing, you know, uh, essentially what Daniel won the Polish masters with, which, uh, which was the gladiator and Oninger fleet with a bunch of squads. And then Patrick literally brought the fleet that he won GSG with and he did, and he uh, uh, won the Endor with last year. Like I don't see a lot of things that are unique there. I mean, these are things that all of those are proven lists that work. It was about these people know these fleets inside and out and they took it to the highest level and they won. And it's the, and just like we talked about last episode, these are the people to be afraid of not their lists. I think their lists certainly, I mean, I don't think you can really separate one from the other because it, these people at these levels, and like you said, you know, these people have played these lists in this tournament, in this tournament, in this tournament. It, it, it's almost one. Like these people and their lists, like Colin was saying, you know, they, they've tailored it to themselves. They practice it to the nth degree and and they're very good with it. Uh, very, very good with it. I think, and I think that it it's sort of the nature of, of the tournament, like like the world championship was for all the marbles. It was, it was the big thing that everybody had come for. Um, I think what, you want to see some uniqueness. You, you step back to the LCQ when people were swinging haymakers, trying to get those top one, two, three, four, five spots. Uh, and there's some really neat lists in there uh, and people trying some different stuff and, and um, you know, having some success and, and learning and, and so on. Uh, I don't think the, the world championships, is a place for innovation per se um, just because the stakes are so high. I Patrick's list is extremely unique. I mean, I don't know too many people that are bold enough to fly that lone CR 90. Uh, to me, this one is, this is a, a hot, hot take here. I mean, you're talking about like, you know, Justin, Justin is like the granddaddy of, of, MSU rogues, right? So, I mean, it, it may not seem like archetype wise that they're super unique, 
but there's reasons why people who get to that level bring certain upgrades and why over another one, you know what I mean? Like there, I, I know it may not seem like a lot, but like there is a reason they brought what they brought. There's a reason why the upgrades are kitted the way that they are. It's just like Sam's double interdictor on your list. Like people tried to take it and make it their own and it didn't work. And it fell apart because that list was so unique that it had to be flied flown the exact same way every single game with the exact same upgrades. You couldn't change a single thing. So you're talking about people who have like, you know, they've min and maxed these lists to a pinnacle of, of Armada. And, and so, I mean, I I would say that they are extremely unique and that this is one of the hottest of takes. Yeah. I, I, to piggyback off that, I think they seem not unique only in that these are the players that have made them popular. (laughs) Like, Kraken, Kraken MSU doesn't seem unique, but like Rasproteus is one of the OGs. Like Riken MC or Riken uh, CR nineties doesn't seem unique, but like this particular makeup with each CR ninety having a different unique officer and all that. Like this is something that Daniel has has perfected, and, and er, like the the Radis fleet seems the most unique right now. But it's only because Patrick is the one that's he's won the most recent tournament with it, so it's only been on the circuit for X amount of time. Like, but Patrick's the one that flew it. I think that's the difference here. Is these are unique fleets? It's just that these are the players. They seem not unique, only in that these players are the ones that have made them what those fleets are. You know. Right. So I, I guess I, I guess maybe I was looking at it more of a, like I was having a hard time of what does unique mean in this context. And so I was taking a, a more of a is was I surprised by anything in the top eight? And the, the answer there is just no. It's uh, nothing there surprised to me that it made. I it. would agree with that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess like the, the what did unique mean, I guess, is, is what it well, was what I kind of ran across there. Yeah, no, nothing. Nothing kind of flew off the page at me as like, wow, that's something that you know, like, there's no imperial venators, there's no you know, victory one imperial spam or something like that. There's nothing really wild that somebody tried to innovate on and throw a wrench into everybody's expectations. But um, but I get I get what you're saying too about you know that 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 Patrick fleet is is the Patrick fleet, and we're not surprised because it's Patrick's fleet. Um, you know, same same way the the, the fox hawk was in the, in the beginning of the year kind of thing. So maybe by this time next year uh-huh. it'll be. Uh, Oh my god! Yeah, nothing. Let's okay. just move on. <laughs> All right, outbound. CR nineties might be the best ship in the game. No other ship has the firepower, maneuverability, and durability for the cost. Uh, I mean, this is uh, not the coldest take I've ever seen, but this is this is pretty cold. This is not a hot take. The CR-90 is an amazing ship. I mean, you can do so much with it, and there's so many commanders that it's great with. I mean, it's a phenomenal ship. There's a reason why uh, it's in the top eight a bunch. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I, I feel like if you don't agree with this, then maybe you haven't played very much Armada. I mean, it's it's definitely one of the top, top list or ships in the game, for sure. Definitely. In defense of what he just said, there were four different rebel commanders in the top eight. 
uh, Akbar, Radis, Kraken, and Riken, all of them had a CR90. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's pretty good evidence for what he's talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, w- I want to the one thing I want to emphasize here in regards to the CR ninety as well. I agree that they are a fantastic ship. I also think that they are one of the highest skill floor ships in the game. They, if you aren't really good at flying a CR ninety, they can die very easily. Greater would like a word, but yes. Yeah. No. I. I. I agree with that. I mean. It, Kraken obviously helps them a lot. Um, I think you can get in trouble like if you fly Riken CR90s because you go, well, it's going to get to activate. And so you can kind of get into some bad habits. And I was flying a Riken CR90 list uh, with some bombers before I took on Mr. Blue Dice. And so you have to kind of be careful with some commanders because you start flying in ways that you wouldn't normally fly. Like, uh, Like when you fly a Jerry for a really long time and then you fly like a regular old ISD with Remote e or somebody and all of a sudden your ISD doesn't turn on a dime. It's kind of shocking. So like you definitely have to be careful with CR nineties because if you uh if you put it at medium range of an ISD two, it's gonna be a bad day. I mean, even with a you know, just expected damage. So I mean they're not easy, but I they're so effective and they can get away on no shields in one hole because they're so fast. I can't tell you how many games my CR90Bs slipped away with nothing. I mean, I had one against, uh, I believe it was against Nick Latrenta. Uh, I had two whole points left on it and no shields and no defense tokens. They are slippery, but you got to know what you're doing with them. Otherwise, a- they'll get a- eaten ask alive. Ask Fox about uh, playing uh, a whole crap ton of C70s sometime. With, uh, chargers are awesome. Oh, dude. I love with, Chargers. They're such great ships. With uh, with Obi-Wan? Oh, I would... It was infuriating. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fox. I didn't mean to bring up bad memories. All right. Uh, you want to give uh, Armchair uh, the, uh, the last uh, hot take of the of the night and we can get uh, get to bed here? Here we go. Let's do this. Armchair? Yeah. Ketchup is mostly a con... <laughs> Sorry, I just reread <laughs> this. Just the through time. the hot take. Wow. It's the professional podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize. This is the I haven't read it in like twenty four hours, and it made me laugh. Okay, (laughs) ketchup. (laughs) Ketchup is mostly a condiment made for children, (laughs) and is easily the worst of all tomato based sauces. (laughs) Is this a hot take? I'm gonna I'm gonna say no and yes in no particular order. I think I think ketchup is a is a condiment made for children but it is not the worst of all tomato based sauces uh by far have you ever tasted tomato paste that is a terrible sauce by itself it's a paste is that not really a sauce, a sauce? Well, like that that you, one you, like, put, you put it in sauces i wouldn't like put it on my spaghetti by itself i put a bunch of other stuff in there right is toothpaste a sauce no it's not a sauce <laughs> you don't you don't do you eat your toothbrush what kind of monster are you <laughs> have i been doing it wrong this whole time wow <laughs> what <laughs> Okay, no, to be fair, to, to my children, yes, toothpaste is absolutely a sauce. That's they fair. would eat it out of the tube if they if they could. Dude, um, I'm toothpaste literally, is delicious, dude. Literally no, toothpaste over here. That's what, uh, that's what the kids do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They do what? They're disgusting creatures. They drink their bathtub water. It's freaking disgusting. Oh, God. Oh. oh, by the cupful. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. They gargle I, I it. It's my, like my a fine dining for them. 
we go to the we go to the public pool. I'm like, I'm like, kid, take it out of your mouth. This is like bum soup. <laughs> is that a sauce? Okay, no, it's a soup. Back in the you'd have to you'd have to reduce it to be a sauce. I mean, okay, okay, it okay. I, I I I have to 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 go here and just say ketchup is firmly mid tier when it comes to condiments for me. Like it it's okay, but I'm not really gonna reach for ketchup if I have something else. I think ketchup hate is like kind of a hipster thing. Like like secretly they actually don't hate it that much, but they feel like they get cool people points for hating on ketchup because it's not the end of the world to eat some ketchup. I love making a little hot sauce with my ketchup. That's what I do. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, a little hot sauce stuff. ketchup. Yeah. Um, I think, well, see, see in my mind, hot dogs are the ultimate condiment conduit. Like they, they are the, they are the conveyor of condiments. And so when I think of the first condiment I would reach for to put on a hot dog, it's always mustard. So mustard is the God tier condiment in my mind. Um, it's got to be like Dijon, right? Like it, nice, yeah, you high know, quality like, mustard, well, there's sauerkraut. Just, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's so many Delicious. options. I think that's the thing. And uh, ketchup is pretty weak as far as tomato-based sauces are concerned. Marinara is probably A-tier tomato-based sauce. I think we can all agree. It's got to have some meat some, in it. Yeah, who I mean, doesn't love some mozzarella sticks and some marinara? That's what I'm saying I mean, right there. Dude, you're doing it wrong if you're not dipping your mozzarella sticks in, in ranch dressing. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I'll stick with my poutine, thanks. <laughs> You've Get never heard this out of oh, here, you, I, dude. I, 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 we're going out to lunch sometime, Fox. I'm ordering some mozzarella sticks with my ranch dressing, man. And I'm I will leave right in front of people. You. Leave right then. I think you guys people are who are addicted to ranch are next level like addicts to a food. It is, <laughs> it is horrific what ranch people will put ranch on. No, you're and right. And I like ranch, but like. Give me a break. It does not need to go on everything. It look, does not look, need look, to. It doesn't look. need to go on your, all your pizza, look. all your spaghetti. I mean, like they baptize kids okay. in it. It's, okay. disgu- no. it's disgusting how much okay. ranch, okay. ranch okay. people okay. put on their food. Okay. The God tier salad dressing, and this might be a we might be wandering way off topic. God tier salad dressing, blue cheese. What? No. Oh. Just like a balsamic and oil. Yeah, it's got to be balsamic vinaigrette and olive oil. Right? I swear, I must have the like the, the we must I, we must have the biggest disagreements over like food on this podcast, and I love it. <laughs> I feel like we're burning through a lot of them really fast right now. <laughs> I'm gonna save this for next episode. <laughs> <sighs> well, our, uh, outbound. Thank you very much for coming back and being on the show with us again. Again, congratulations on on your win at the LCQ. I mean, you did a fantastic job uh, playing twelve games in three days. Can't even imagine. You Thank absolute you. Yeah. madman. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, seriously, thanks for having me back. Um, I'm glad I got to kind of talk about. Uh, the mentality piece. I didn't think yeah. of these things or look into these things because of Armada. I just decided to apply it uh, to Armada and it worked out well. So I'm glad I could share it. And thanks for having me back. It's super fun being on the podcast. Absolutely. A little bit of a programming note. Uh, this is going to be a double episode week. So this episode should drop on Friday morning. 
uh, for those of you who are listening to it with us right now. Uh, there will also be an episode that releases on Monday that we have already recorded with uh, James Malador uh, uh, regarding the the World Championships and his journey to uh, to a win. Next week, as I mentioned, uh, we will be having a guest on to speak about the actual statistics of worlds and these are what people did brought and these are the commanders and, and uh, things of that nature uh, really kind of get down into the brass tacks Ar- uh, armchair has been working nonstop to put his spreadsheets together just so that we can all g- gather around and, and, and worship at the altar of the spreadsheet. I, I do it uh, for my people. <laughs> so look forward to that. Uh, we do have a whole host of content that we've kind of already planned out for the next, I don't know, month. Uh, so look forward to that. We've got guests uh, already come uh, agreeing to come on to talk to us that you guys should enjoy. And with that, you guys take care, fly safe, and we'll see you in a couple of days with a new episode. Thank you for listening to the Armada Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, keep up with the show on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter at Armada Podcast. Join us on Discord with the link in the show notes. Until next time.